Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So we're given a very powerful scene here to contemplate with the gospel today, this healing of a man with a withered hand. Now, we have no idea what that really means. What is a withered hand? Uh, all sorts of different things come to mind. But regardless, what's being communicated is this man has some kind of physical malady that has rendered him um, cut off from the normal kind of life that most people enjoy in ancient Israel. It'd be very difficult for someone like that, right? Because you live in a culture of, of ritual purity, a culture where physical ailments were thought to be, I don't know, the physical expression of spiritual maladies. So if you got this withered hand, what does that say about you as a sinner, you as a person? This would have been tremendously difficult uh, as a burden to bear. So we enter the scene as Jesus enters the synagogue where he's teaching and he's preaching, and the Pharisees. They just seem to be using this man as another occasion to try and entrap Jesus in some kind of snare of their own devising of how they think the law should be interpreted. So just like they used uh, that woman caught in the act of adultery, remember that? They, they don't care about the person, but they use this person, throw her down into Jesus' presence and say, what should we do? As they're holding stones in their hand, Moses told us to stone such a woman got this man with a withered hand. I don't think we should be able to do work or anything on the Sabbath. Their interpretation of the law. Okay, so Jesus calls the man forward. He says, come up here before us. He invites him out of the crowd, which you have to imagine must have been so difficult for him. This man who you, like, you have to imagine that he spent much of his life wanting to just fade into the background. Like if there was ever a group picture, he was always the one in the very back, wanting to hide. Because his whole life, I'm sure, was, was, was totally focused around mitigating the issues with his hand. Hiding, 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 wanting to be in the background, not drawing attention to himself. So Jesus now is calling him forward. Then he says to the Pharisees, right? So he calls the man forward, and now he says to the Pharisees, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil? It's a very obvious and easily answered question. To save life rather than to destroy it. But they remain silent. It's astonishing that they remain silent. This is such a no-brainer. And they remain silent. His heart here, we hear that his heart is grieved and his heart it says he looking around them, looking around at them with anger and grieved at their hardness of heart. Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and it was restored. All right, let's first look at Jesus' question, right? Is it lawful to do this? He's challenging their perception of religion as auto-salvation through moral adherence to the law, through this very tight exact adherence to the dictates of the law. Like the Pharisees made the grave mistake just as we Christians can make the grave mistake of worshiping their ability to keep the law rather than the lawgiver. 
Like, that's what happened. They erroneously thought we are actually capable of doing this perfectly. Like, if, if I sum up enough effort and discipline within myself, I'm able to keep the law perfectly. This is the same trap we fall into. It's called Pelagianism. St. Augustine, who was a huge um, critic, if you will, of the Pelagians, he wrote this, that the law was given that grace might be sought, and grace was given that the law might be fulfilled. In other words, you can't fulfill the law apart from God's grace. Like the whole pedagogy of the, old, of the whole Old Testament was in the giving of the law, it was to train the people, yes, to seek to observe it, but also to recognize we can't fulfill this. We are incapable. We are incapable on our own efforts to perfectly adhere to what God has in mind for us, which leads them into a position of crying out for mercy, crying out for grace. Recognize your utter dependency on God. That was the point. The point was not, oh, I can do this. If I just try really hard, I can do this. So Jesus, he looks around at them with anger in his heart, and his heart is filled with grief. Those are powerful emotions. Why? Because in his heart, all he's thinking is, I just, I want to save you. I want to save you. Speaking to the Pharisees, I want to save you, but you have rendered yourself, you've rendered your hearts impenetrable impermeable. You've got like Teflon coating on your hearts because you're so convinced of your own self-righteousness. You're convinced of your own ability to fulfill this perfectly. I cannot get in there. You won't let me in. It's the same lament that Jesus has when he comes to that upper, that hill that overlooks the city of Jerusalem and he cries out, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you kill the prophets and stone those who are sent to you. And oh, how I wish I would just, I could gather you under my wings like a mother hen. But you would have none of it. Like his grief here, it's, his grief and his anger here, it's the suffering of unrequited love. I think that's what he suffered most in the Garden of Gethsemane. When his blood was pouring out of his body, it was falling to this stone, to this stony surface, and it just was pooling there. It wasn't soaking in. It was just pooling there. It wasn't going in. Like, what do we hear in the prophet Isaiah? Or in the, the prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah? This promise of a new heart. I will take your stony hearts and give you natural hearts. I want the grace to be able to go in. But these Pharisees, what they're doing, clinging to their own notions of the law, clinging to their own notions of purity and Sabbath, They have hearts that have become untouchable by grace. Grace, for grace to work, grace requires softness of heart. It requires suppleness of heart. This is why God loves a broken heart. Hearts that are shattered are porous, and his grace can get in there. So he says to this man, stretch out your hand. Right, so if stepping forward in the crowd was a lot for him. That was difficult. Just imagine now Jesus saying, stretch out your hand. Like expose in vulnerability your greatest shame. Expose that part of you that stays hidden all the time. Bring it into the light. Now, of course, Jesus knew. He knew that whole time. He knew that 
this man had this withered hand and he knew like where it was, you know, beneath his robes. You have to imagine Jesus was fully capable of healing the hand as it lay hidden beneath the folds of his cloak. But what he's doing here is he's teaching us how healing happens, like the paradigm for healing. There can be no healing without vulnerability is what Jesus is showing us with this man. There can be no healing without vulnerability, that the healer can only heal what's exposed and what's revealed. Like when we bring it up and out into the light, that's how we get healed. We are healed in the vulnerability. So friends, let us have hearts that are not like the Pharisees' hearts, stony and hardened, but let us have hearts that are like this man with the withered hand who exposes, who brings out into the open his deepest need and let Jesus touch us right in those places. Amen.